Warning, you are about to enter a world populated by the most appalling music ever made. Welcome to the search for the worst album of all time. This is Broken Records. But I hadn't been forgotten, I Joe. I'd been married a long time ago. Saint Bango. <laughs> a girl with kaleidoscope eyes. <laughs> You're beautiful. Hey, hey, I wanna be a rock star. Yes, hello, welcome to episode 38 of Broken Records, the spin-off solo podcast from the Riot Act Network with me, Stephen Hill, and him, Renfrey Deadman. Renfrey, hello. how are you? I feel physically sick. How are you, Steve? Okay. <laughs> I don't feel physically sick, okay. which is good. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming that's due to what we're about to talk about on it this is, week's episode. It is indeed due to what we are about to talk about on this week's episode. <laughs> I am questioning my life choices, and I am questioning whether this entire spin-off podcast was a good idea or not, and I'm currently a little bit angry with you. (laughs) Well, this is a podcast, by the way, where we search for the worst record ever made. These aren't necessarily albums that me and Renfrey just hate for the sole purpose of hating them, although today... Who knows? Uh, They are, in fact, compiled the list of albums that you will hear featured on this podcast Compiled from their reputations, your suggestion, a critical standing, a fan reaction, a band reaction, some kind of contextualization around the record, which puts it into a bracket worthy of consideration as the worst album ever. But is it actually the worst album ever? I would suggest that most of the albums we've spoken about, particularly in comparison to what we're about to talk about, are not the worst album ever. But we still do have 37 albums in the list so far and the 38th album which will be added to that list is this true symphonic rockestra concerto in true minor the mercifully soul album from the classical stroke metal crossover group released on the 28th of march 2008 before we go any further i will run down the flop 20 of albums that we have from the 37 records in the list so far the 20 that we consider to be the worst in descending order what there by black flag is at 20 followed by streets in the sky by the enemy one by dirty vegas razor light by razor light famous first words by viva brother one more light by lincoln park the truth is by theory of a dead man slick dogs and ponies by louis the 14th the cosmos rocks by queen and paul rogers united nations of sound by richard ashcroft the original soundtrack to sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band the movie a movie which seems quite sensible in comparison to what we're about to talk about uh the self-titled debut album from Eogan Quigg, Graveyard Classics, Volume 2 from Six Feet Under, Blood, Sweat and Towers by the Towers of London, Angelic to the Core by Corey Feldman, Total Zanarchy by Lil Zan, Bad Blood by Blood on the Dance Floor, Methods of Mayhem by Methods of Mayhem, Double Y by Uncle Cracker, and still, at number one, I'm Not a Fan, But the Kids Like It by Broken Side, the worst album that we have found thus far on our search and our journey for the worst album ever made but as i said it will be joined by true symphonic orchestra concerto in true minor before we go any further i should just say me and renfrey do as i mentioned do another podcast every week riot act where we review the creme de la creme from the world of alternative music and i kind of wonder 
if this record came out, how close this would be to something that you and I would review on Riot Act Room Three? How many? <laughs> how 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 few albums would have to be released that week for this to be on our <laughs> weekly show? Yeah, it would have to be an incredibly slow week. I mean, we would choose to do something else, wouldn't we? We'd be like, "Sorry, show's cancelled this week." <laughs> like yeah. you know, I mean that 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 maybe that is something to start with. We don't. We should probably start by saying that my taste and your taste do not go along with the old symphonic rock thing. We should probably just get not that out of the way. Yeah, we should probably get that out of the way to begin with. Uh, we reviewed the last Nightwish Night album like a, a, mm-hmm. a, a, a year and a half ago, I think it was. Uh, this is a million miles away from that in terms of quality. Um, it has given me a new appreciation of Nightwish, I have to say. But even though I think both of us could both sort of, neither of us could say, oh, this is objectively bad. It's clearly very well put together and all that sort of thing. But it just isn't really our cup of tea. So it's probably worth making that super clear at the beginning of this. I think. Yes, I think you're quite right to do that. I mean, there's a whole sphere of kind of, euro metal that just doesn't really fly with me particularly and i know it flies with you about equally as well uh, yeah so yeah it's funny that eurovision's been uh like as we record this eurovision was only um oh a week ago two weeks ago a week two weeks ago yeah. yeah and uh this felt very 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 eurovision to me sorry i'm getting into mm. it already but yeah i'm trying not to i'm 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 more oh, yeah mm. yes so <laughs> When we pulled this out last week, we both went, oh, don't know what that is, but the name's rubbish, isn't it? (laughs) The True Symphonic Rockestra is a pretty bad name for a band. It's terrible. I mean, it is. I I straight away compared it to all of the kind of Captain Rock super (laughs) cheesy stuff on the Richard Ashcroft album that we we covered um, back in day. If you want to go back and check that episode out, it's quite funny. Um, But True Symphonic Rockestra as a name is an absolutely abysmal name i think it's just worth getting that out of the way first before we even get into it that is a terrible terrible name for a, for a band it's um it's one of the worst names i've ever heard it's a terrible it's pun awful. it's a terrible pun um and it kind of smacks of someone kind of going well that'll do which um, <laughs> is how this entire project sounds to me. Ah, that'll do. Whatever, that'll well, This has come from sort of Germany. So the producer behind it, uh, who we'll talk about in a second, is German. And I'm wondering if something's been lost in translation somewhere. Maybe, maybe. Because it's such a bad pun that doesn't make any sense. The true symphonic rockestra? that's not even a pun is it surely it doesn't even feel like a pun do you remember you you probably aren't aware of this because it's another it's another football thing okay. but um there will be a couple of football analogies in this that's episode fine. For, for, for but um it's not really a football thing but basically <laughs> hammers out. hammers rodriguez yes uh, okay in the 2014 world cup was the top scorer in the world cup mm-hmm. right and hammers uh is is spelt james and there was a headline doing the rounds that said in an Indian newspaper. And I was like, this must be something massively lost in translation. Because the headline was, the name's Bond, Hammers Rodriguez. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, that that doesn't work as a pun 
in any way whatsoever. The this name's is... Bond, Hammers Rodriguez. This is definitely in the same league as that. Yeah, yeah. Do you think it's meant to be Rawkestra? Because that, I that, no. See, that would have been better. When you, know, I, I hate it. W A R. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate it when people spell the word rock as rock and do the sort of devil horn yeah. thing. Ironically, it fucks yeah. me off. But at yeah, least by the stereophonics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, rock. The handbags and the glitter. Um, but at least if they'd done that with this, at least orchestra sort of rhymes with orchestra. You know, like that would have worked better. And and it would have been one of the few times where I'd be like, okay, I understand why you've gone R A W K there, but you know, but they haven't. But they haven't. I, I mean, I you know, no. I'm, I, I'm not. I'm I would like to say it very clearly. I don't think what I've just proposed is a good idea. I'm just saying, like, even that would have made it ever so slightly better. Probably not. Yes. I don't know. Maybe a, li- a little bit. But I, I can see it would still be awful. But a little, a little bit better. <laughs> But then the name of the album is Concerto in True Minor. Now, true is not the thing that I... Surely Concerto in Rock Minor yeah. or Rock Major? Major, yeah. ro- like Rock Major would have been true. Concerto in True Minor. It, what does that even fucking mean? It's, it is absolutely... It's confounding. It feels like the first time I watched Tenet like looking at this uh looking at this title i'm just completely and utterly perplexed i i don't understand it i don't understand what they're trying to do with the title I, I, what concerto in what is it meant to be bl- bl- blue minor no a minor b minor c minor d minor e it doesn't what is it i don't get it i don't get it it's the name's Bond, Hammers Rodriguez. <laughs> is, is that is what it is. It, it, it is that. It's the name's Bond, Hammers Rodriguez. Yeah, it, it's it's because it doesn't. It nothing about it works at all. And you've got the name, and then you've gone right. What can we call the album? Well, obviously, Concerto in Rock Major would be what I would consider it, to be because you're making your. You're, then you've got Concerto and Rock. Yeah, but you've concentrated on the true. Which is completely ambivalent and just irrelevant to the entire thing. It also immediately conjures an air of kind of um, uh, pompousness, doesn't it? Immediately, yeah. it's like it's like this is the true, the true concerto. You know, it's like fuck off. Immedi- immediately, it gets me on, it irks me before I've even played a note. It pisses yeah. me off really like a really one of the worst names i think number one the if it, this would be a lame podcast if it was this, <laughs> but if it was the worst bad names ever i think it'd be number one what a it shit. Is a ter- it's ter- even terrible. huberstank is a better name yeah than this. yeah huberstank is better uh oh, i can't think of shit names now Lick. pigs 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 yeah it's it is a is better <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's terrible. It's terrible. Absolutely terrible. Anyway, enough about the actual name, which is probably the best thing about it. Uh, <laughs> but the origin of this project started back in the year 2000. As I said, masterminded by a gentleman called Dirk Ulrich, 
who was a no German relation. producer. To uh, Lars. Um, <laughs> we can assume. Oh, we don't know. No, we, we should assume. Well, the drum sound makes me think that they've borrowed some, some anger oh, fucking yes. I'm so glad <laughs> I put that in my note. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Yeah. A German producer who was inspired by the Three Tenors Project to create a rocked-based thing of a similar bent. Um, the Rock Three Tenors, as he decided to imaginatively title them. <sighs> the Rock Three Tenors. The Rock Three Tenors, Renfrew. There's nothing... There's... Your thoughts on the... Oh, no, the three I... rock tenors. Sorry, not the rock three tenors. The three rock tenors. Minorly better. <laughs> um... It's rubbish. It's fucking rubbish. It's terrible. So the three tenors. Oh, I know what I'll call them. The three rock tenors. Because <laughs> they're rock music. Yeah. What a, th- this guy already, you're like... Mate, th- th- this is not a great idea. No. And it's take, it, <laughs> That's the whole it's thing. It's, a not, a, it's not a very good idea. In the, uh, and, and I think it is absolutely astonishing that he stuck with this project for as long as he did. Uh, I mean, well, I'm assuming you're about to say that it basically took six years for this album to even be made. And in that entire time, not at one single point did he go, you know what, maybe this isn't a good idea, actually. (laughs) Six years! Now, I think it's kind of important for us to put a little bit of context around this music as well. The three tenors were a big deal commercially in the early 90s. Yeah. And opera music, off the back of Italia 90, yeah. Ness and Dorma, Pavarotti, all that, it gave opera music a little bit of a mainstream push in the first part of the decade. You've got um, Barcelona with Freddie Mercury and other lass. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you've got various operatic things becoming mainstream hits, you know, usually as well. I think the kind of musicals, which I know don't really count, but the success of something like Michael Ball, I mean, it's kind of opera, operatic things. Well, there's musicals. West End musicals. There's, yeah, there's, 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 there's a musical, um, what shall I call them, tributes. I mean, that doesn't feel like mm-hmm. the right word in this case, but there are musical tributes on this uh, record as, as, as well as opera and, uh, and yeah. classical, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So the kind of, I mean, you know, musical theatre is, is and has pretty much always been a big thing, right? It's a big thing, be it kind of opera or just general musical theatre. Yeah. That has always been a popular thing. But in terms of having any kind of life within the charts, I think the kind of late 80s to the early 90s was fairly, probably the first time where you saw that kind of stuff. I mean, I guess with the exception of something like Greece, which was massive in the mm. 70s. But then really kind of standards, standard versions of old songs from musicals becoming actual top 40 hits. Mm. That was quite a thing in the in the 90s, wasn't it? It did happen. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, Jason Donovan having a hit with the Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. Oh, yeah. You had the success suddenly of people like Andrea Bocelli, and True. which might came a little bit later on, possibly. And then even even slightly later on from that, Andre Ryu, who is yes. the, the, the the violinist. Uh, Nigel Kennedy, yes. a very quick kind of mainstream... Um, Vanessa May. Uh, obsession with Vanessa May. Yeah, mm. there was a lot of... You know, that kind of thing. Um, the Passengers soundtrack that Bono did a song with Pavarotti. Do you remember that? Oh. There was the Passengers song for Sarajevo, it's which was a thing from about 1994, 1995. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. you know. There was, yeah, there was some... There was brief some... kind yeah. of mainstream obsession with classical music. Not obsession, but there's a kind of brief cool period it fe- for classical music. It felt like it was predominantly bought by, like, housewives who mm-hmm. would hear a song... Uh, on an advert 
a classical song on an advert and go, oh, I really like that. And then they, you know, you sort of find out that there'd usually be a sticker on the on the yeah, CD itself saying from the Marks and Spencer, from the yeah, or, or, or yeah. from the Toyota Prius, you know, uh, advert or whatever, you know, and and mm. that would uh, that would make it sell basically. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, it was a little bit of a thing where that sort of happened. And um, by the year 2000, though, I think that was pretty much gone. That was done. The little fleeting moment that kind of operatic music and, you know, in in the mainstream um, had had, had very much gone. So I would say even in the year 2000, this is a bad, Mm. outdated idea. Mm. And it actually came out eight years after that. So... You know, already, as we've discussed, <laughs> I think, this doesn't feel like it's a particularly good idea no. on the part of Dirk Ulrich to really be chucking his eggs into this basket. Now, I'd looked up um, Dirk Ulrich, and he doesn't appear to have ever produced anything else, ever. No. Um, even though he is apparently a German producer. But uh, the people he roped in to be the three rock tenors, um, he said he had a, a brilliant idea to uh to not to he had one one rock singer and decided actually we should get two opera tenors and that would be brilliant then because but then they're not the three rock tenors i so already no, it's just a yeah. yeah but the people he roped in were two world famous quote-unquote classical tenors thomas de wilde was one now i googled thomas de wilde and a world famous opera tenor didn't come up the first bloke that came up was a bloke who killed two children. <gasps> I'm not saying that Thomas DeWald isn't a world-famous opera singer, but I'm saying that if a bloke who's just famous for being a murdering felon comes up before you, mm. maybe you're not quite as famous as yes. you think you are. Holy possibly. shit. Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, now, to be fair to the actual Thomas DeWald that we're talking about here, he has done a fair bit of cool stuff, but um, he did murder those kids. Uh, oh, no, that's the wrong one. That's the other one. Um, but yeah, the tenor Thomas DeWald does appear to have had a decent enough career throughout um, throughout his career. So he, you know, he appears to be to the professor of vocals at the University of Mainz as well. So mm-hmm. you know, he obviously he knows what he's doing. You know, there's there, there is talent on this record, most definitely. Yes. Um, <laughs> He was joined by Vladimir Grishko, who doesn't appear to have ever murdered anyone. <laughs> uh, good for him. And he actually won the Placido Domingo Prize for Best Tenor in 1989, which I understand is quite a big deal. So he seems like the real deal as well. And finally... Uh, I, I, joined... I just wanted to say about Vladimir Grish, uh, Grishko, apparently he's the culture minister of the Ukraine. Or he was at the oh. time. So, yes, there we go. Okay, good. And finally... Bring in the rock, James LeBray <laughs> of Dream Theater. Bring in the now, cock more like fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> now, I don't particularly care for Dream Theater as a band, I have to say. I think they're all right. I think they're some all right songs, but I'm not a massive, massive Dream Theater fan. But I would say that I do respect them as a band. They're clearly very, very good musicians. They're very hardworking. They've done a lot of things. They've really stuck to their guns over the years, doing something that was deeply uncool at the time. They've made a massive success of it. I really respect Mark, Mark, Mike Portnoy. Mm-hmm. I respect John Petrucci and Jordan Rudess and John Myung. They're all amazing musicians. Mm-hmm. And then you've got James LeBray. <laughs> James LeBray is a bad singer. He is. He is actually a bad singer. Mm. He is comfortably, comfortably the worst thing about Dream Theater. He's like 
and I'm going to use another football metaphor here, as okay. I like to do. He's a Brazilian goalkeeper, James Lebray. Right? Now, not anymore. I'm not slagging off Edison or, or Alisson, obviously. But, but back in the day, the thing with Brazil was, is Brazil always used to have these amazing teams, right? Where every player out on the pitch, Pelé, Rivaldo, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Bebeto, Zico, like these, every, every position with these Cafu, Roberto Carlos, like absolutely unbelievable, amazing players out on the pitch. And then just some fucking clowning goal, just some really shy. Because not only Brazil grows up and wants to be a goalkeeper, they want to be Pele, yeah, right? So Brazil never traditionally, I know they do at the moment, mm. but this is an odd period, but traditionally Brazil always had a really shite goalkeeper well even James as someone Lebrun who even who does that goalkeeper even who doesn't someone who doesn't follow football like the i i, I you know for the layman football it's, it's because they're sort of midfielders and their their attackers are are so good they almost don't need a good goalkeeper like is yeah I mean, like, they've won a bunch of stuff with like really quite bad goalkeepers yeah 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 yeah, yeah 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 Dida Tafarel you know I'm talking if you like football you know I'm talking about okay. um yeah but James Lebray is a he is a Brazilian guy he's the Brazilian goalkeeper <laughs> in the fucking 2002 World Cup squad yeah he's he's, he's rubbish unfortunately else around him is great and he's rubbish unfortunately he, he keeps away with it taking control of the ball though doesn't he and <laughs> And then, then <laughs> scoring an own goal all the fucking time. <laughs> um, yes, I can. Yeah. I agree with absolutely everything. I mean, you know that I agree with everything that you said about Dream Theater. But actually, um, Dream Theater instrumentally would be a band that I would actually get quite a lot of enjoyment out of. Actually, mm. and around this period, uh, the previous year that this album came out, Dream Theater released Systematic Chaos, which now I don't. I don't really. I like that. I quite like that. Well, album. I was about to say, I don't really have a dream, a favorite deep dream theater album. But if if gun to head, if you were like, tell me your favorite dream theater album, I'd be like, well, Systematic Chaos has some good shit on it, you know, and mm. and and it does. It has actually Systematic Chaos has some great shit on it. It's really annoying every single time James LeBray comes on <laughs> on it. Still, all the time. I don't like. It is bizarre, isn't it? Like because yes, objectively. The, the the people in Dream Theatre, uh, the, the musicians, the, the instrumental players in Dream Theatre are all objectively fucking fantastic at what they do on a technical level. Um, and then you've got, yeah, James LeBray. And it's like, why are you here? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. It's, it's very now, weird. Anyone who, thinks, anyone who thinks we're being shitty here should go and Google Dream Theatre's performance at the 2014 Sonosphere Festival, where James LeBray sounded like he was trying to walk off an ankle injury um, throughout the entirety of their performance. Like, you can fucking slag Madonna off as much as you want for saying she sounded like she was hiccuping. James LeBray <laughs> was just literally walking around going, ah, 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 like he was stepping on his bad ankle. Who's it worse, James LeBray fucking... or Vince Neil? Oh, Vince Neil. <laughs> okay. Is definitely worse. Yeah. Because okay. Vince Neil can barely, you know, Vince Neil was just a load of fucking, a load of vowel sounds, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I think it says a lot as well because on record, James LeBray um, sounds like he's hitting the right notes on record, at least. Mm. Um, and that's when there's money being thrown into it. Um, there clearly, clearly was not a lot of money being thrown into this record. And as a result, you can hear the bad performance of James yes. LeBray quite 
clearly there's quite a lot of things that denote that this was kind of pieced together with blue tack and sellotape oh my god yes every time Um, without getting into it too much but every time Lebray comes in i felt like vomit coming up he's he's (laughs) he's bad on this album he is bad we'll get into it specifically in a bit but yeah he is bad so the, the the idea was described as ulrich back in 2000 uh, he described the band. He said, "Is is um, this is a new, unique combination of these two forces, and probably the first time ever to feature two world-class tenors and one of the most respected voices in rock on one entire album." The level of confidence of that man <laughs> give give me that level of confidence, <laughs> like. <sighs> you know a few years after like i say barcelona by freddie mercury mm. with freddie mercury uh, like give me the confidence to say that my project features one of the most respected voices in rock and is it totally unique and original i mean come on mm. come on mate he so has the megalomania of um some journalists we've worked with in the past doesn't he <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know. uh, yeah it took them another six years to complete the album obviously it was the year 2000 in july 2006 as as you mentioned was when the album was completed and then another two years for it to actually see the light of day um <laughs> lebray was actually the first one to sign on to the project and initially it was considered that they would find two more rock vocalists until auric had the idea to use actual classical tenors um it's a decision that he called the best idea he ever had <gasps> oh no mate oh god the best idea i've ever had i mean like it's it's not the most unique of like why don't i get i'm gonna do these classical songs hang on why don't i get some classical singers to sing it (laughs) it's hardly thinking outside the box that much like who would have thought who would have thought getting opera singers to sing opera well i also i'm sure this will come up later as well but also I know it's not exactly the same thing, but he's talking about it there like Metallica's S&M never existed, mm. like Deep Purple. I mean, as as far as I'm aware, Deep Purple were the Warren first, first yeah. like certainly massive. I mean, they probably were the first because it's not, you know, you could, like Palm Reader can't hire an orchestra. Do you know, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, it mm. probably, I think it's generally considered that Deep Purple were the first rock band to play with an orchestra. And there had been not as many as there are these days, because it is actually relatively common these days. But they had there yeah. had been a fair few examples before this, so you know, yes, what he's saying isn't technically incorrect. I mean, I, I don't know about the opera stuff, and like maybe he's right, but it's but he's talking about it as if he has like come up with the idea of like bringing the two worlds together, and it's never ever been done before, and it's like. Yeah kind of has mate <laughs> kind of has been yeah. done before and yeah. a lot better as well you know uh, he also loves to name check his label and studio brain rocks every given opportunity i found he a does. press release of it which kind of basically um detailed what happened okay throughout 2000 to 2006 so he says all playback arrangements were made and recorded at Brain Rock Studios in Germany from 2000 on. We casted a really good rock band and some very talented Yund musicians. Please check the artist page to find out more details about the people involved in TSR. Brainworks believed in the TSR idea from the beginning and started to consistently work on the TSR project ever since then. 
After being in contact with James from 2001, we were, we were looking to, for quite some time to find the right vocal partners for James and some powerful business partner to take the TSR to the next level. We were almost ready to go on finishing the music in 2003 when Dirk had to stop working on the TSR for about two years due to some very sad familiar tragedy. I'm sure that's meant to be family, but some very sad familiar <laughs> tragedy. I listened to this twice. I had some very sad familiar tragedy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, not, uh, <laughs> not not laughing at the tragedy, but yeah, fucking hell. Oh, God. Yeah. It's awful. In 2005, Dirk and James met again and decided to join forces now to finally bring the TSR to life. I thought they'd already joined forces. Yes. <laughs> he said he was in it. <laughs> This is clearly like this yeah. has been put through Google Translate, hasn't it? Surely, I, maybe I don't know. I, I, it sounds few, like it has. A few months later, Dirk got aware of the incredible classical tenor Thomas De Wilde, who agreed to become the second of the three rock tenors very fast. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely Google Translate. Definitely Google Translate. Just a few weeks later, Brainworks met Igor Martin, the owner of Marisound Russia accidentally and they decided to become partners in the tsr igor just recently started a new <laughs> in bold type world-class studio in krasnodar russia and as a huge dream theater fan he decided to support the tsr right away making it finally possible to record the vocals and mix the tsr album in his fantastic studio Marin Sound had contacts with the world-renowned classical tenor Vladimir Grishko, and when he agreed to become the third rocking tenor, the team was complete and all of us headed towards Russia. In July 2006, the TSR album production was finished. Brainworks and Marisound are now working on making this release happen ASAP, which still took two years. Another, another, another two years. There's also a statement from uh, Ulrich um, regarding what happened Mm -hmm. in this period it's more of the same stuff really so why did it take us so long to be able to let you hear this album well besides the music business in general being quite complicated and slow there is a damn good reason for this with the music industry changing a lot these days we have decided to start our own label a corporation of Brainbox records and marin sound records with the tsr album being the first international release on this new label the cd will be out on sony bmg distribution in germany austria and switzerland and we have found partners in other territories already foreign distribution inquiries usa and asia still welcome yeah don't hold your breath of course the album will still be available for download through all major download services and will sell and ship albums worldwide through the internet as well so anyone interested in this album will be able to get it like he's saying that like oh my god so you're going to release an album and i will be able to get it (laughs) You should be able to get it. That's the one thing you should be able to guarantee <laughs> that you can get the album. Like, wait, well, that's not a selling point, mate. But anyway. Yes, absolutely. Have you looked up uh, Brain Rocks Records on Discogs? I saw it and I didn't really look at it too much. Why have you got it there? They have released eight things. Um, and when I say they've released eight things, I don't mean they've released eight different albums, uh, because three of them are the true symphonic orchestra featuring the rock ten, the three rock tenors, because uh, <laughs> they're just sort of different catalogue numbers. So it'll be the different catalogue numbers for the different areas of the world. Fine, yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, the they in two thousand four they released uh, 
The Absurd Beauty of Being Alone by Corroded, uh, spelt with a K, uh, in 2005. Uh, Gifetig uh, released Fallen Angel, Engel de Nacht. Uh, in 2005 again, Gifetig released 10,000 Wart. Um, then 2008, you've got three versions of the True Symphonic Orchestra. Uh, Gifetig again, Fallen Angel, and Solange Ik Libre. That's a promo, CD promo. And then Gifetig mm-hmm. did Fallen Angel as a single as well. So it's basically... Well, one to th- check out Giga. <laughs> <laughs> um, they've done four separate releases in the entire history of the label, which appears to be four years. Seems about right. It's more than, more than I expected. More than my honest. label, to be fair. Less. I've only done one. So, but but still, quantity over quality. Uh, quality <laughs> over quantity, though, isn't it? Absolutely, fucking lootly, it is. And also, I don't go around saying that I tell my guitar the only thing, whatever the fuck my EP is called. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't tell people that it's the greatest thing since sliced fucking bread. So, you know. <laughs> It's the most unique thing to happen to folk music <laughs> yeah. since Bob Dylan picked up a guitar. For the Move first over, time. Jeff Buckley. <laughs> Here comes Renfrey Deadman. <laughs> uh, I also found a a quite amazing interview with Dirk Ulrich, where he was asked a bunch of stuff and really didn't answer any of the questions. <laughs> in any way whatsoever brilliant this was my favorite answer he was asked what the most memorable part of the recording process was (laughs) and he said this the first thing was on the flight to krasnodar i had to stop in moscow for one night because my plane had a problem james was already in russia and then vladimir came directly from the ukraine thomas christopher and me we stopped in moscow almost nobody in russia spoke english or german and we had to stay in this very bad hotel at the airport and i got a very bad cold because i only wore a t-shirt when i arrived at marin sound studio i was very excited to have my three world-class singers here and i had to set up the sound for them i had to do the sound check with almost hearing nothing i thought this was very unfair because i was waiting for six years for this moment to start and i was in such bad shape you can see it on the video which was done on the seventh day when we were in russia and i was there feeling already much better because they brought me a lot of medicine but i still look like shit that is your favorite part part of the recording process i had a cold i (laughs) basically (laughs) i wore a t-shirt in russia (laughs) speaking of russia i thought i thought i would just split this up speaking of russia i've just looked up marin sound records on discogs (laughs) (laughs) how many releases do you think they have eight two uh and they're both the true symphonic orchestra (laughs) so quality label there (laughs) <laughs> you and i we could put our we could put our labels together and we'd have better quality work than this label <laughs> do you think oh my goodness going back to that going back to that interview i could release one stegel song and think i'd have a better <laughs> not on single you, just a fucking you, cd it's a mini disc of one song in the <laughs> going back to that interview like, I have heard of bands, uh, well, it's heard of bands. Sometimes it's fucking obvious that uh, some bands can't get any press and so they sort of interview themselves. Um, do you think that's what's happened there, <laughs> maybe? Well, I do, yes. Yeah. Because, um, th- I mean, going on to the album being released, usually 
we would have loads of reviews of the album to go oh well the critical standing for this yeah. record is so low but nobody appears to have reviewed this album no i mean no, not in a not in a professional nobody, sense yeah not in a professional yeah. sense like really which is so i mean sensible mm. i would think but the reaction from the fans seems to be fairly i was gonna say people a lot of irate dream theater fans have reviewed this record haven't they? <laughs> yeah 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 I've, I've picked a few i've picked a few out yeah, it's got good. um Rate Your Music has it at 2.55 out of 10 from 36 reviews. Only one has been written, though, from someone called Vaxis, right? And this, I mean, again, I think we said it with Methods of Mayhem, where shit attracts shit. Yes. He says, so much is wrong with this album. I don't know even where, I don't even know where to start. James LeBray sounds great. <laughs> but that's only until the opera guys comes in. He's amazingly outclassed. This is where another problem occurs. The opera singers are totally out of place amidst the rock arrangements, which leads us to two new problems. First, mixing rock instrumentation with classic songs is an awful idea to start with. Second, the arrangements themselves are pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've got a few words for Dick Ulrich, the man who's responsible for this. Write your own music. If you call it the three rock tenors, fucking use the rock tenors. Learn how to mix up your albums Here's a good point he's got here. Get rid of the St. Anger drums. Yes, yes, yes. Don't stick your face into every photograph of the lineup, which he has. Mm. Find a good cover artist. Think of a decent name for your project. And finally, (laughs) and totally pointlessly, he's put, stop being a faggot. What? (laughs) I mean, he'd kind of done, he was shit at the start. And I was like, yeah. And then he started getting me back. And then he's completely undermined himself at the end. I, w- I was... I pointlessly, needlessly being a homophobic prick. I'm so glad. Because I was I was this close. I'm holding my thumb and my finger very, very close together to saying, I'm on board with this guy. <laughs> and I'm really glad I didn't say that because I am not on board with people using that word. Um, but uh, everything up to that point, I actually agree with them. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, what a homophobic well, prick. James Labrie sounds sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, sorry. Yes, I, no, that's a good point. I found a, a two a two star review on Amazon from someone called S. C. Clark, and his review's title was "Fun But." He says, "Yes, this record will make you laugh and is very entertaining for about fifteen minutes, and then you will get bored. But it is fun. We well, haven't made it sound like very much fun no, at all, there, mate. No. To be perfectly to be perfectly honest." Um, I found a German website called Hooked on Music and I thought, now this is exactly who this is for. This is the acid test. Mm. This is for the Germans, this music. Clearly Mm. it's for that kind of Euro Teutonic, that kind of bombasty Euro German power metal thing, right? But even they don't like it. Uh, This review says, the idea is actually so stupid that it's almost good again. Take the highlights of the repertoire of the original dry, dry tenor Luciano Pavarotti, Placido Domingo and Jose Carreras and turn them into rock versions. Um, Giftig guitarist. Oh, Duke Dirk. Oh, here we are. Here we go. go. That makes sense. Giftig guitarist Dirk Ulrich got pregnant with this idea for six years. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I got pregnant with an idea. (laughs) (laughs) and is now presenting the result under the project name true symphonic rockestra it's a shame he didn't abort it isn't it (laughs) (laughs) and who is now following in the footsteps of the powerful voiced role models the two (laughs) 
<laughs> the two classical tenors, Thomas DeWild and Vladimir Grishko, one university professor in Maine, the other Ministry of Culture of Ukraine, as you quite rightly yes. said, Renfrew. And Dream Theatre frontman James LeBray. Since Dirk Ulrich, who played the guitars for the True Symphonic Orchestra, also has an unmistakable weakness for John Petrucci, the mix of classical and rock gets a good deal of Dream Theatre trademark. Ultimately, 21 world-famous melodies from film, opera, operetta and musicals romp about on the CD, most of which are well-known to even the greatest cultural bastards through <laughs> advertising and fan, and fan curve chants in the stadium. But now, two souls are beating in my chest. No question, <laughs> technically and musically, there are real experts at work here. But do I have to have heard Granada, Funchili Funchala, La Donna Immobile, and Memories in the Dream Theatre Mies Orchestra and Classical Singing Guys? One or two pieces in between the concept is quite nice, but in the long run, I get a lot of boredom. As I imagine it, just much more exciting before, would be Cliff Barnes and Six Feet Under is Moon River, O Sole Mio, or Tonight Make, and the True Symphonic Orchestra be sure to Progenesis of the Great Apocalypse, Hell Awaits, or In a Pell Moon's Shadow Try. I have actually read that word for word, by the way. Um, let me put it this way. I recognise the intention behind Concerto and True Minor and appreciate the quality of the implementation, but the compositions just don't affect me. And even German Metal Hammer slammed, slammed it as well, saying, Dream Theatre front Quaker, James LeBray, has turned up with the two tenors, Thomas DeWilde and Vladimir Grichko, hired some fairground rockers as well as some student strings and now believes they have created the perfect symbi symbiosis of metal and classical music. The result was so embarrassing that you can't even laugh out of the sheer embarrassment of others. Well-known numbers like My Way, Moon River and other melodies for melons, including quotes from Cats and West Side Story are yodeled to the ground and a drum kit is wrecking the background. The electric guitar, on the other hand, seems to lead a life of its own and lively cuts to itself in its own rhythm. Deep Purple, Therion or Rage wouldn't even have suggested releasing such garbage as a bonus track for an Indonesian single, but these three superstars obviously have no problem with that. Good for them, bad for fans who buy this Phipps Amazon joke set to music, although as a birthday present for the mortal enemy... <laughs> And that's where he leaves it. Um, so that's the... <laughs> what uh, weird review. <laughs> yeah, they're really right, weird fine. reviews, aren't they? Really yeah. weird. Oh, um, oh, it's, it's, oh uh, the Indonesian bonus track. Um, we, we, we'll give them the worst thing because Indonesians have uh, no no taste in music. That's, that's absurd. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, and, you know, we're not, we can't give it as a professional review as those reviews that we've just read out. But Renfrey... True Symphonic Orchestra, Concerto in True Minor. What do you think? <laughs> um, right, right. Let's start with probably the only positive that I can think of, and I really racked my brains to think of a positive. I think Thomas DeWald and Vladimir Grishko I am not an opera aficionado, but I think they are clearly very talented. So that's the good stuff out of the way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, this the, the album that this is most reminiscent of that we have covered so far, you've kind of already brought it up in that review. It is Graveyard Classics 2 by Six Feet Under. Mm -hmm. That idea of, oh, let's take something 
and let's give it a bit of a twist um and 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 try and bring in a different audience as a result let's bring two worlds together and hopefully we'll capture the in this case the rock fan and the opera fan at the same time um this is worse than six feet under for multiple reasons yeah i agree um for multiple 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 reasons i think the thing which fucks me off the most is that whole argument of like you get classical music snobs you know i mean if mm-hmm. you think metal snobs are annoying try and listen to a classical oh my music God, snob my, i used to work in hmv they're the fucking worst my dad was one my dad my dad is just a, a absolutely pathetic snob when it comes to this sort of thing like he's just really really bad i remember playing him snm once and it was just like no you know and it's that there's there's a ridiculous kind of um hoitiness they they really do think that like even me calling it classical music would piss off a lot of classical music aficionados because it's that you know there's mm. baroque there's 20th century music there's the romantic period blah 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 the fact that i'm making turning it i'm just calling it classical music because that's what people refer to it as nowadays but they get fucked off about that sort of thing but if someone who if one of those classical snobs listened to this it it wouldn't give them any more respect for metal or rock in any way, shape or form because every single part of the rock and metal elements on the record are done extraordinarily poorly. The other album that this reminds me of that we have covered so far is Yoggin Quig. Poor Yoggin. Poor yeah. Owen. Um, obviously, you know, we, we we talked in that episode about how he was really he was really fucked over by by the people who had the money basically it was very very clear that they didn't want to give him all that much money and it sounded really cheap and cheerful as a result and and you know bless his cotton socks he was trying but the foundations that he was trying to sing over were really poorly done this if you're going to do a rock collaboration with uh, orchestras or an orchestrations or, or or if you're going to bring in lots of different stringed elements or violins or blah 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 whatever you can't do it on the cheap it's not going to work no. and that is exactly what this does it sounds so cheap this record I mean the way in which the song you can hear like you try and make it one continuous piece of music and yeah. you can hear the clip yeah you can hear where they've cut to go into the next track yeah. on the right re- it just sort of stops and then it starts up again but it is attempting to carry on and it's like oh my god it's so easy to get surely isn't difficult to make that flow if you've got someone who's even if, vaguely like competent at editing in any yeah, way exactly and you can hear and you're just like that that to me that, that might have been the most annoying thing well actually i'm not sure but that was one of the things i was like how are you getting oh my fucking yeah, god you've yeah. done it like five fucking times yeah. and you put the album out like how the fuck are you doing that it is so so bad yeah. i mean fuck me this album it's so I mean, cheap yeah. and cheerful it's so so it, it's so appallingly put together and the fact that like there was so much time i mean even if you take away the six years 
that they were trying to put this together two years two years you should have enough time in that two years to put to cobble something together like it shouldn't be difficult to like fix those things if you have any uh if you have any abilities or talent whatsoever and yet it hasn't been done so it, it doesn't seem to just be kind of um a lack of talent here it seems to be like just total negligence as well and then for the guy to turn around to be like this is one of the best ideas ever in music or whatever the fuck he said it's insane it's that is that is is an insane person yeah i I mean the the from the start we get ness and dorma the italian 90s song to start and it's pretty and i was like well this is pretty fucking bad there's not really a lot of rock in the rock bit and James LeBray cannot hit no. any of those notes. He cannot hit any of those notes. Like I say, when the other guys come in, they can at least hit the notes. I was going to say, Grishko and Thomas DeWilde, they might be technically good singers, but there is... <laughs> the thing I think annoys me most about this record, more than anything, and I don't know, this is a sort of opera-based stylistic decision. Mm. There is so much vibrato in their voices mm. throughout the whole thing. It's like, oh my God, please, that does my head. Like every... When they come in, I'm singing in the rain. Just singing in the rain. They sound like they're being like pushed down the stairs in a fucking like bathtub or something. Like, <laughs> they, did they fucking record it on a roller coaster or something? I mean, to- like literally, I did it my way. <laughs> to be to be to be fair that kind of is an opera thing and and i agree with you it's cloying and it's and it's annoying i don't think you can kind of you can't blame the individuals there because that is absolutely 100 percent an opera i've just listened to anything pavarotti did you know but he does he does do it a bit but i've never heard it like on every line of every song and then james abray starts doing it as well he's like pizza it's like oh you can't do this mate. it sounds like he's being tugged off whilst he's recording his records it's just a dreadful dreadful idea moon river (laughs) stop shaking him while he's singing my first absolute like get to fuck on the album was only the second track as well. Yes, their cover of "My Way" by yes. Frank Sinatra sang like Lebray in this kind of cheesy, overblown way without hitting any of the correct notes, and loads of awful Ingve Malmsteen fucking solos over yeah. the top of it. I it would... is worse. Oh, I was ab- okay. Is... I think you're about to say this, but I would like to apologise to Sid Vicious. <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, yeah it is yeah. worse unbelievably unbelievably and if you think if you listen to our special that we did on covers i picked my way by sid vicious as like the worst cover ever it is better than this it yes, is it better is. than this and then you hear the clip when it goes into moon river moon river <laughs> moon river, moon river. Moon river. <laughs> like please <laughs> Then singing in the rain, and he does, and he does like when he goes to sing in the rain, he is go, he goes into the fucking when's the old day, like one of them. He sounds like the fucking 
it's like some kind of Italian muppet. He's like, I'm singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. It's like, why are you being so Italian? Like you are, I imagine twirling his moustache while he's doing it, carrying a pizza box on a fucking moped. Like, mate, you are so... Like, you are being... No, too much of a ridiculous stereotype. Well, also, no one on this record is Italian. <laughs> like most of them, most of them are German. James LeBray's Canadian. Canadian. Vladimir Grisko is from the Ukraine, <laughs> and you've got um, one guy. The executive producer is from Russia, but everyone else is yeah. German. No one's Italian on this record, so They're there's still no excuse it, for when that. The um, yeah, singing in the rain is is truly horrendous, isn't it? This this version of singing in the rain is absolutely uh, awful. awful. I mean, I mean, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm ho hum about the original anyway, but like, oh fuck me, it's dreadful, so bad. Terrible. You get a sixteen second Oki Chori, pointless. You can hear the yeah. cut again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. And then you've got memories with James LeBray. I mean, no offence to James LeBray. He's no Susan Boyle, is he? <laughs> no, he is not. Um, yeah, memories. One of the most irritating songs from one of the most irritating musicals in the world, Cats. Uh, I fucking mm. hate Andrew Lloyd Webber. What a twat. Oh, he's awful, isn't he? What, what an absolute twat. Balloon-faced wankster. <laughs> yes, he is. Um, it's really funny because... So this is uh, this is a little bit of a... Uh, well, I suppose in the musical theatre world, this is a little bit of, a, of me showing off. But at drama school, I actually had a couple of um, lessons with Tim Rice. Um, and Tim and Rice... Tim Curry? No, not Tim Curry, no. <laughs> Tim... <laughs> Tim Rice and Tim Curry. And Tim... And Tim Poppadon as well. <laughs> and Tim Rice... So Tim Rice did the lyrics for a lot of the musicals that Andrew Lloyd Webber and Tim Rice did together. And mm-hmm. they fucking hate each other. And um, I'm not going to repeat some of the things he said about Andrew Lloyd Webber on here, but uh, it is libelous shit, <laughs> potentially. I, I saw Andrew Lloyd Webber get in the train at Overton Station once when I was going... I went to visit my mum about six or seven years ago. Right. And I was coming back and I walked past... Someone was getting... I was like, he looks like Andrew Lloyd Webber. And it was. And he was getting the train back to London from Overton I was like what's Andrew Lloyd Webber doing in Overton was he on his no throne well, no, no he wasn't on his throne he was with not. some people like some like obviously people who were like carrying his bags and stuff for him <sighs> and yeah. getting his yeah awful um, there's not I mean as I sort of mentioned it there's not actually a lot of rock in this really is there there's not a lot of kind of metally metalness there's a little bit of chug here and again I would say like Cielto Lindo is one of the few that actually has a bit of rock from the Rockestra in it. It's got a chug, I mean, it's still rubbish, but it's got a chug on it. And and in that as well, you get James LeBray doing the fucking fake Italian accent. It sounds yeah. like your dad trying to order yeah. a pizza in, like, in, in Rome or something. He's like, give us the Diavola, please, mate. I'll have the Diavola pizza, the pepperoni one. That's like James LeBray, Diavola. He's like absolutely like hamming it up. It is... Oh, it's awful. It, it is, Tonight it is from terrible. West Side Story, oh, it's just awful, awful, absolutely awful. ridiculous. Mm. Like Lebray t- trying to hold the note at the end mm. with the other two tenors, it's embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely embarrassing. They absolutely um, murder America from West Side Story as well. Absolutely yeah. murder. Oh, go to America. <laughs> <laughs> America. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. 
it's fucking rubbish. America, I mean, it's like it's like a sort of doom metal start, isn't it? The start of America. They try to do like a doom metal version of "Oh, and they go to America," and then and the, and and in that they do go a bit rock. And one of the tenors is it can't keep up. Mm, yeah. It's like, do it again. You've had eight years to get this right. He's like going, he's going, I want to go to America and live in it in America. <laughs> like, he's like, God, you're out of time, mate. You're out of time. Yeah. And they kept it in. You've had eight fucking years to get this right. What the fuck is wrong with you? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe and, maybe uh, they my... ran out of time in the studio and it was just like, oh shit, we can't fix this because not yeah, everyone's uh, talented enough to do it. Uh, Lib- Lib- Libano ne Letty Calci is another one with Labrie doing like what sounds like the Swedish chef and <laughs> terrible, <laughs> yeah, terrible guitar solo at the end. Um, and there's some like because I don't really know much like the word the, the names of opera songs and like these sort yeah. of famous songs. But uh, La Donna Immobile is um, we've got the Canio, you've yes. got Farcolio, <laughs> and it's done in double time. Yes. There's like a kind of thrash metal version. Yeah. How are football fans more respectful? to that song <laughs> than the true symphonic rock orchestra and that kind of St. Anger demo drum sound yeah. is it's, it's so apparent on that that song the drums are terrible there terrible. is a there's an awful snare going um throughout this record really I really really noticed it on on uh oh soul mio um, but the snare sound is very, very reminiscent of the snare sound in St. Anger, basically yeah. taking the snare off. Um, one of Ulrich's great ideas uh, in both sense, in both cases, in this particular case, mm-hmm. um, it, it just, it, you know, it just sounds awful. I mean, there, there is a reason why there are upteen memes about the terrible sort of uh, drum sound in St. Anger. Um, and obviously Dirk or Rick had not seen any of those memes because he decided to go too busy, like creating the, the, the best thing that anyone's ever created. I mean, my, one of the, one of my like most like, oh no moments on it is, uh, you mentioned No Solo Mio, which starts like a fucking arch enemy B side. (laughs) And then suddenly you realize, oh my God, oh my God, it's just one Cornetto. Yes. Lads. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like it's yeah. it's just, it's an arch enemy version of just one cornetto. <laughs> Please I, I, make it stop. I think that's the thing as well, because this project has clearly been thrown together to um make rock fans appreciate opera or, or classical music or musical music. Just made me like appreciate the cornetto I <laughs> um and it feels so dumbed down um one saving grace of this album when i loaded it up and i saw that it was 21 tracks <laughs> i thought i was gonna go fucking in i was i was just i was fucking livid i was mainly angry with you for even suggesting broken records as a thing to be honest now well, thank for <laughs> well with this record yes um yeah. Thankfully, it wasn't quite as bad as I thought because the album itself is actually only 46 minutes. So it's like a pig destroyer record in that in that sense. Um, because basically... <laughs> Just like a pig destroyer. <laughs> most of, most, I'd say the average length of each song on here is a minute and a half, two minutes. Yeah, like 90 seconds, two minutes. Yeah, because they basically, you know, and you already mentioned one of them is only 16 fucking seconds. I mean, the, it's basically, let's do like... 
a best of of stuff that you might have heard because it's been on adverts or or it's been Mm. or it's become a football chant or something like that and it's just so kind of it feels condescending listening to it you know i feel like i feel like i'm being talked down to when i listen to it and then the fact that it's executed so poorly anyone who has like i've i've had shit on like twitter and itunes or whatever for like bringing up this objectively thing now and i do you know i do it partly to piss those people off because you know idiots but at the same time <laughs> listen to this and then tell me that this isn't done. This isn't executed objectively badly. This is what I'm talking about. When, yes, you do have subjective opinions. You know, subjective subjectivity does exist in uh, critical appraisal and all that sort of thing. But the thing that a lot of critics forget is objectivity exists as well. And this is objectively badly put together. That's why no oh, one's... It's appallingly put together. That's it's why no one's fucking reviewed it. Mm. It's awful. It's I mean, just the, just the, the, I mean, just the, uh, this is not the worst thing about it, but I did think the, the, the tr- terrible cuts between songs where it's all supposed to flow, yeah. which happens like, again, I've written it down even from going into America into fucking um, Funicula, Funicula, uh, Funicula, Funicula mm. with James LeBray. I mean, how am I supposed to take James LeBray going, yamo, yamo, yippee, yippee, yay. Oh, like, I know. Like, Antwerp. I know. like, um, <laughs> <laughs> like I mean, how am I supposed to take that seriously? But that cut happens consistently through that record on pretty much every other track. And when they want to just have this seamless transition with the orchestra, like you say, like some kind of, um, you know, like some kind of medley. Yes. It's supposed yes. to be one long, big medley it, of stuff basically, that yeah. flows into each other. Yeah. But it's clipped and you go, well, okay, you can't turn around and go, this is good. Because that, that alone is not, that is not good. Exactly. And that is not my opinion. That is a fact. That is, a that fact, is not yes. good. That yes. is badly done. Yes. That is factually badly done. That's got nothing to do with the quality of the musicians or the people doing it or the, the way the songs are written. That there is shoddy and crap. And it's, it, it just is. Like, there's no getting around it. This is, I mean, anyone who is pissed off with me using the word objectively in reviews, this is just like it made my resolve even stronger just listening to this just knowing no 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 there are object objectivity does exist in critical appraisal it's a fact Mm. and this is this is absolute concrete proof of that i defy anyone to come at me and tell me that objectivity doesn't exist in critical appraisal after listening to this record i mean this this album has loads of solos loads of hilariously bad vocals not even like let's say not even technically bad to the two-thirds of them but just the vocals don't suit the songs it's all so stupidly overblown there's a violin in the background going b- fucking bananas throughout the whole thing yeah it sounds Constantly. really cheap i think the there's reason somebody on a violin just going i think the reason you've given it to like a seven-year-old and just gone continue playing that for like just play the violin for 40 minutes and they're like oh god give it a rest my guess the reason for that is because violin is one of the only actual musicians they could bring into to play this if you look it up on uh, wikipedia uh, the band themselves consists of two guitarists drums bass and a violinist but all the other so so you know clearly dirk ulrich has just gone oh put shit loads oh, mate, of violin fill, all over fill, it fill, fill that fill the space there mate. yeah exactly yeah, um and the thing is is None of the none of the uh, rock in- instrumentation sounds very good, but.
but there's still a, a, a clear chasm between the rock instrumentation and a lot of the orchestral stuff which is clearly done using a synthesizer a, a or a keyboard yamaha keyboard yeah, that i got exactly. when i was when i was five years old from <laughs> yeah so yeah. It, it's badly done as it is but then but then you kind of put those things together you put it together with something which is done even worse and then you just have two terrible things not working together in sync and sounding just absolutely awful it's the violin going yeah and the, bloke going, yeah. And the, the violin yeah. sounds really cheap it's clearly i'm pretty sure i'm pretty certain it's an electric violin um and it's it it doesn't have the depth like you can get electric violins which sound really really nice especially these days mm-hmm. and i'm pretty sure you could in 2006 as well so there's no excuse for that um but it just doesn't have any depth it doesn't have any kind of it doesn't have the color that you get from a decent violin you know it's, no. it's just it's, it's just everything about this record just smacks of cheapness it is just it's cheap. just a piece of utter shit a terrible idea yes but executed even worse yeah. than the idea yeah. amazingly the, although i think the idea is pathetic i think the execution of that idea makes the idea seem better it's like unbelievable 21 tracks rim free 21 fucking tracks 46 minutes of my time not a single second that didn't make me i i would rather try and force a great white shark down the end of my cock than listen to this again (laughs) well that'll be next week's episode (laughs) it was fucking rubbish unbelievably rubbish um to go into the aftermath there appears to be no aftermath of this <laughs> band at all uh, their website their, their website hasn't been updated since about the week after the record came out um but obviously dream theater have continued to go from strength to strength as a band mm. they are arguably as popular at this point as they have ever been the last decades yeah. incredibly kind to them yeah, they've done yeah, very yeah. very well so you know it didn't really hurt james lebray's career in right. general the other two don't know i couldn't really be bothered to look uh, i mean one of them killed some kids that's the second worst thing he's ever done um <laughs> in my opinion and you can get this album for four euros plus seven euros packaging and postage on discogs if you wish to buy it on cd little tip for you don't you bother. don't don't bother yeah so um so that's basically the kind of aftermath of it and now we have to rank it somewhere within our list <sighs> Renfrey I am going to let you go first well I've already said that it's worse than six feet under and and my reasoning for that I I, I actually I actually put on a couple of um <laughs> I put on a couple of tracks from Graveyard Classics Volume 2 um after listening to this to go is it is it worse than that record? And yes, I think I think it is. I think it is executed De- I, definitely. Yeah. yeah, I think it's executed more poorly. I think the idea, uh, both ideas are pretty fucking appalling. But you know, it it, it is worse. Um, poor. It's not offensive. We have some really offensive offensively bad terrible 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 things at the top Mm. um it is i think it is laughable i mean i i i found it laughable and eye-rolling at the same time um 
and and I certainly the pomposity of Dirk Ulrich, I definitely would like to knock him down a step or two. Not, I mean, he probably doesn't need it to be fair. Um, God, it's hard, isn't it? I, 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 um, like Corey Feldman is is at number six, and Mm -hmm. just for sheer, like that is a a dreadful record, and kind of, um, oh man, it, 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 it. it changes sort of changes the boundaries of bad music, but at least there was a sort of what the fuck uh, wonderment <laughs> to that record. Like you couldn't quite believe it, um, and 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 hence, even though it was two fucking hours long, I would say I got more enjoyment out of Angelic to the Core than yeah, I did this. And, and Angelic to the Core is objectively bad definitely yeah bad and very yeah. very but bad you kind of feel for cory feldman he's sort of a likable character yes in some ways, yes right? yes absolutely um so then i guess we're going to lil zan um god do i hate this more than lil zan you know what i i think i think i would put this between blood on the dance floor bad blood and lil zan yeah uh i i think mm. i would say number five it is pretty appalling yeah, How do you feel? I mean, I'm looking at that and thinking that feels like a pretty good place for it. Here's what I think we have in this case, which is why. So this all depends on stuff because there's only one other album, although I do think Graveyard Classics Volume 2 is definitely comparable because of the type of thing that it is. Yeah. Um, Graveyard Classics Volume 2 doesn't think it's anything other than a funny little nod to ACDC. Absolutely. There is a level of pomposity here that we have rarely seen in broken records the True. only other thing that comes close to the level of sheer misguided pomposity is probably richard ashcroft's united nations of sound where richard ashcroft said says hello i'm jesus <laughs> this is captain rock um, right? are there um, elements of, are a, there elements of that pomposity to Corey feldman as well maybe i think a little bit but, but not, not to the same to the extent. same yeah. not to the same extent okay. really no i think Fair. Corey feldman was trying to do but th- there's something about this and this kind of appalling like you've mentioned that kind of disgusting snobbery mm. that classical music fans and metal fans both mm-hmm. have mm-hmm. and for them to have this like a appalling snobbish vile attitude to anything that sits outside of the boundaries of what they consider to be genuine art and for them to be so pleased with themselves i think is one of the most like reprehensible things about being a music fan in general Mm. now is that worse than just being a bro douchebag because i have to say i think there is more that i like musically Mm. on methods of mayhem than there is on this Ooh. right i'm not sure about uncle cracker which i think is genuinely fucking rubbish but when you take a song like um what is the one that's quite catchy there's uh not public service announcement anger management on methods of mayhem which is quite catchy for a bit there is nothing on this record that i don't just hate and i hate its fucking attitude the thing is methods of mayhem is all like oh look at my cock and look at my jizzy jizzy now i'm not sure it's actually you know it's just fucking thick and stupid mm, and mm. it probably does have a bit of an ego because tommy lee mm. has got a bit of an ego but i don't least. think it's i don't think i think it's probably better made 
even as cheap and 90s as it sounds. For the time, it sounded a bit kind of cack-handed, but then lots of new metal did. Mm. Whereas this, this is six never, years later this, as well. Six years later, mm. it never, ever, ever would have sounded good. You know, th- there's an argument like possibly Methods of Mayhem isn't even the worst new metal album that we're going to cover i can't imagine any kind of symphonic metal band ever doing anything worse than that and that's coming from someone who basically hates all of this stuff Mm, mm, so mm. i'm almost willing to kind of posit it i think uncle cracker because of uncle cracker became a very reprehensible Mm -hmm. human being and he is definitely a talentless chode Mm, mm. um i almost think that number three is where i want to put this because frankly angelic to the core has got moments where like you say you just go well this is mental yeah. don't hate it yeah this is mental yeah. little zan's total zanarchy i think is very bad it's awful but again we discussed like this is again a type of music that's a bad version of a type of music we don't like mm. what do i like more soundcloud rap or, or or symphonic metal i probably like more in the realm of kind of soundcloud rap stuff than i do symphonic metal and i actually think little zan probably doesn't think he's the best one at doing this these guys think they're the best thing in the fucking world blood and the dance floor a lot of that is there due to the kind of context surrounding them as a band and it is a bad record Mm. it is a bad sounding record it's a rubbish record but there's nothing on it that quite makes me feel sick in the way like like angry just like just kind of oh you you pretentious fucks like this is so pretentious and i don't i think i would cut it off at three Hmm. because i think broken side is just so bad it's unfathomable uncle cracker is i'm doing pretentious versus douchebag and uncle cracker is more of a douchebag than this is pretentious but I think this is actually more pretentious than unbelievably. This is more pretentious than Tommy Lee is a douchebag, and that that is a fucking hell of a mountain to climb to be more pretentious than Tommy Lee is a douchebag. But I actually think it is. That's incredibly well argued. That is very very well argued. Um, I'm only going to throw one minor thing into the mix, and I don't. It probably won't persuade you, but but just to say that. The, the there are <laughs> god i can't believe i'm even going to say this there are songs on here that the originals are good do you know what i mean but i, I yes. suppose you could even use that as even mm. because th- there isn't a single good version of a song on here but i suppose mm. like the very very basics that they are that do you know what i mean like we did use that argument with graveyard classics we did too. i mean i would i would argue that all 10 things on Graveyard Classics Volume 2 are great starting places for it. Yes, and that's not argue case, yeah. Yeah. Andrew Lloyd Webber and I know West West Side Story, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, West Side Story. Ness and Dormer is good, just one cornetto. Um we've well, got Decanio. The original like, you know, the, the original My Way is fucking amazing, you know. Yeah, the original My Way is fucking amazing. But to fuck it up that much, I mean to be that's to true. be worse than to to turn, to take those songs and make them worse than West Ham supporters and Sid Vicious have making them yeah. have made them means you have really you have really like they can't be considered good anymore you have disgraced them beyond what they already were disgraced for you're worse than west ham fans (laughs) Sid vicious at music and yet and it's it's one thing being like oh you're worse than acdc or whoever did a a bad you know shania twain covered um acdc and six feet under's worse than shania twain well one shania twain ain't that bad and second of all you know 
you still got a lot of good songs to work with or whatever yeah. but this is like you i'm telling you you're worse than the you're worse than what i ever imagined the worst version of my way could ever be it's true and you think it's brilliant like six feet under don't think they're being better than acdc true symphonic orchestra i think that, that we've changed music forever <laughs> finally all those people that love metal and love classical music all the best people all the clever people all the brilliant clever people who are better than people that listen to pop music mm. we're better than those people and we've created a better thing for better cleverer more hoity more you know more um just superior beings and no you haven't you've created one of the worst fucking things anyone will ever hear it is it is pretty awful you know what yeah you've 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 convinced me uh i think number three is is a perfectly i mean god there's some drag there but yes number three you have convinced me that that that's uh the right place for it i think thank you mate i thought it was just worth having something um to break it up a little bit it's been kind of like grotty so it's been a while since i've been that high up yeah 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 has yeah concerto in rock minor goes concerto in, concerto in, in true minor oh in true minor yeah sorry i almost gave it a a better name <laughs> accidentally just nearly gave it a better name than it actually has unfucking believable so there you go it's in at number three i'm going to pick another album from the hat renfrey mm-hmm. i think we're going to go on a run now because we i was just thinking the other day like we've had a sort of an all right tin machine yeah madonna had a few bits that you go when well, that kind of all right i guess mm. it's not brilliant you know the great naomi campbell album <laughs> yes <laughs> neil young's been all right yeah yeah um, yeah so i was sort of thinking ah oh, now this is an incredibly well um w- like often named as the worst album ever so we'll have to see the shags philosophy of the world oh. this is regularly cropped up this is cropped up on pretty much every list oh right okay seen. okay i think it's so yeah, there you go. That is a, a little piece of um, history that we'll be doing next week. The Shags' philosophy of the world will be next week's album. Is it really as bad as? I mean, fuck me if it is. Then <laughs> worse than this? I can't believe anything could be worse. Well, I've heard two things that are worse than this, but no. I mean, you're gonna have to really struggle to get to number one at this point. I think. Yeah, fuck me. I think so. Anyway, thank you very much for listening. That was the True Symphonic Rockers. <laughs> Do that one more time, innit? I mean, I had to listen to it for 46 minutes, for fuck's sake. Um, never listen to that record. Never, ever listen to that record. Lock it away like the fucking Ark of the Covenant in Lady <laughs> the Lost Ark. It's <laughs> with James LeBray in there and just and Dirk Ulrich and, and the entire back catalogue yeah. of fucking Brain Box Records or whatever he's fucking called. <laughs> when we ask for face-melting riffs, this is not what we, not what we wanted. No, 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 yeah. no. Uh, thanks very much for listening and um, we will see you next week for the Shags Philosophy of the World.